Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guest. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. It is my pleasure to have my podcast guest with me today, and that is Christy King. And we are going to talk about inclusive leadership that drives results. And I'm super excited to talk about this topic. We know that it's something that is very, very important and something that has been highlighted, especially over the last year. So Christy, how are you doing today? I am well, Jackie. I'm so good. Thank you so much for um, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, good, good. This is a great topic and I'm looking forward to you sharing some wonderful pearls with our Leading on Purpose audience. So my first question is I typically start off with a question regarding the pandemic. So I'm switching it up a little bit for this one. So as you think about this last year, we've had, unfortunately, a lot of challenges, the pandemic, the social justice issues, you know, political division. So a lot of, a lot of things have happened over the last mm-hmm. year. What are some of your hopes for, you know, what are some of, what are you hoping for over the next couple of years? Yeah, so I, that's a great question. And um, there has been a lot. I mean, <laughs> 2020, 2021, it has represented just, you know, so much you know, it was just like time of sadness and happiness and revelation and change. And just, you know, there was, there was so much, um, and it's really just this roller coaster, you know, of emotions. Um, I would, I would say that, you know, it, it brought so many things to light, um, too, that had been hidden in the dark for some, right. For some, um, but there was also this, um, I guess awakening is what what I would call it. Um, and it was for people, it was for communities, um, it was for neighbors, it was for companies, um, even that really kind of felt almost compelled to do something as a result of, of everything that happened. Um, I think the interesting thing is um, that some companies, including some people even, didn't quite know what to do, right? We need to do something, but we don't know what to do um, and didn't quite know what they didn't know. Um, I think um, in particular, when we think about, um, you know, we can go from one spectrum to the other and, and our our friends and our neighbors and, and how they responded and, and what they said and what they didn't say and, you know, what that meant and how it landed on us personally. But even when we think about this in the, in the business realm, um, I think that there were a lot of, of organizations that just wanted to do something they didn't know what um and i think many and i hope because we are still in the midst of this for sure um knew that there needed to be some work some focus some emphasis um on uh, diversity on equity on on inclusion and my hope is that the right leaders were in place um and that the the um the drive for this, the the uh, thirst for it, really continues, 
and that it manifests itself in a way that will um, bring benefit to, to these organizations and then therefore also to to communities. And, and again, you know, we're we're still in the midst of it. So we don't we don't know what that we don't know what that looks like. Um, I have some you know, colleagues that say, you know what, they this is just a trend. This is not going to last. But I, I don't believe that. I, I, I really believe that um, it's real. Um, I think, again, it was really an awakening. And, and my hope uh, is that it, it continues and that enlightenment and um, just people and organizations and companies and CEO just being informed um, that it, it continues to, to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely, I mean, he said a, a lot of really good things in, in that response. And, and certainly it is absolutely up to the leaders. I mean, it's definitely going to, mm-hmm. the sustainability of this is absolutely going to be up to the leaders embracing it and embracing it for the right reasons and not just as, like you said, a trend. So I'm aligned very much to that hope as well. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Christy, both personally and professionally? Sure, sure. So um, let's see. So I grew up um, in the Midwest in Indiana. I was um, an only child raised by a strong single mother who really, um, you know, instilled this sense of humility in me, um, um, confidence and uh, really my a love for my blackness and my, my culture um, that wasn't necessarily popular at the time, especially given where I was, you know, where I was kind of growing up. Um, so I had a few mis- mixed messages growing up in Indiana, but my, my mother always really kept me um, just grounded and ensured and kind of steeped in, in my culture. Um, I attended an historically black college um, and university, Central State University in Ohio, small um, HBCU there. And that really kind of um, really deepened my kind of cultural connectivity, I would say, and, and connectedness. And also kind of instilled this sense of um, belonging and, and inclusiveness. And if I think back, like, how did all this kind of start? It may have been a, a little seed that was that was planted there because of my um, experience at, at that at that university. Um, but I, you know, after leaving there and I, and I had been at predominantly white high schools by, you know, and, and schools um, growing up and then going to that HBCU was um, instrumental for me. Um, after I left, I went to graduate school, met my husband of 25 years. I had two amazing sons um, <laughs> who are the light of my life. Um, and <laughs> um, fortunate enough then um, to actually work. I've actually worked in all three sectors, started out in the government sector for a little bit, spent quite a bit of time in um, the nonprofit sector. And um, that also, I think, was kind of this this seed to of kind of giving back and giving of yourself, et cetera. And then um, I was working in doing community development, environmental racism, lots of like community community work. And that was probably part of my introduction to to diversity and inclusion. Um, and then kind of reluctantly moved into uh, the corporate space. I have always had always worked in the nonprofit sector. and so, there was this feel of, you know, I have to give back and I, you know, I was passionate about it. And, and I always thought, you know, the corporate space was kind of this doggy dog and yeah, that, you know, wasn't quite for me. And then I realized that, you know what, there was a space uh, for giving, right. And there was a space for 
this supporting and lifting others. And, and it was, you know, it's been called many things over the years, but, you know, now it's, you know, diversity and inclusion. And so um, I worked at um, a, my, my first job, uh, out corporate job was at a, a company that was bought out by Dow Chemical that I did worked at Verizon and I worked at um, did some consulting at Lincoln Financial. I was at Comcast for seven and a half years. So very, you know, large companies. Um, and then most recently uh, for the last year, I am now working at a very small um, startup company that just became public called DOMA. And um, it's been a very, very different because I went from a company that was 150,000 employees to now 1500. So it's very different. <laughs> so, um, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. The work that I'm doing. And when I talked about kind of these organizations that um, kind of venture into this and knew they needed to do something, didn't quite know what. Um, DOMA was one of those. And so uh, I had to, after I got into this certain stage and period um, in my career to kind of decide like, what direction do I want to go next? Um, this was the direction that I that I went was to go with a smaller company that where I felt like I could make a bigger impact. And um, so far, there's not been a day that I have regretted it. It's been it's been wonderful. Oh, that's great. Well, congratulations on that. I know that, you know, it, it sounds like you've been able to like start something from scratch, which is, is you're making it your own, which is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. You talked about it a little bit in your answer, but I want to build on this a little bit more about what really inspired you to be a leader within diversity and inclusion. You talked a little bit about your experience at an HBCU and you think it may have started there, but can you build on that a little bit more? What really, why are you passionate about, passionate about diversity and inclusion? And why did you choose this as a, as a fill for you? Um, yeah, that's such a good question. And it's, it is funny because I almost feel like um, diversity chose me rather than me choosing it. And, um, and you know, you know how we very often have these grandiose plans or we're expected to have these grandiose plans. Like, you know, when you graduate, then what are you going to do? And I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And nine times out of 10, it doesn't work out <laughs> quite that way, <laughs> of course. Um, but I, um, you know, as I mentioned, I was kind of raised in this, this predominantly white environment in schools and neighborhoods and then had the opportunity um, to, to go to an HBCU and um, uh, and then work at this nonprofit organization. And I feel like that uh, being one of my very first jobs um, really did plant this seed of um, just empathy, right? And, and, and compassion and this, this desire to give back and to lift and to um, support and to even um, just provide opportunities to people that may not have had it before, right? And so I feel like that was the start of it. And it also is why I always thought, oh, well, I'm always going to be in a nonprofit because, you know, this is the space of giving and didn't realize until I um, got a little burnout um, in, in the nonprofit after being there for quite a while <laughs> and doing quite a bit um, and started exploring and recognizing that, you know what, um, companies are doing this work too, like, you know, and, and they're doing this, 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 you know, being good stewards of the community. They are, you know, have philanthropic giving and, and um, understand the, the importance of supporting and lifting and helping 
others and their own employees, right? That is that is where the benefit um, comes when we are investing in our in our people. And I think um, that realization, especially in the corporate sector, is what um, really spurred me to realize like there's a there's a uh, space here, right? And there's there's a gap that needs to be filled, and um, all of the the compassion and the empathy and, and all those things that I bring from the nonprofit sector, um, I just have in me. It is just who I am. And in, in whatever role and in whatever sector and whatever company, wherever I work, it's it's what I bring. And so that um, the diversity, equity and inclusion piece um, just it, it it now just is natural. Right. It's, it's just natural. But obviously that, you know, there was some point at which that 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 plant you know, it was it was a seed that was planted, um, but I think it really just came out of of empathy, right? And and um, I I do feel like it just kind of chose me, right? I didn't I didn't leave school saying I want to be a DNI professional and a leader, um, but things just unfolded the way that they did, and um, it's been a beautiful journey, Jacqueline. I feel just um, blessed because you know a lot of people. Um, don't get enjoyment that, you know, they spend these eight to 10 hours a day doing yes. work and they're getting a paycheck and, you know, they're paying the bills and that's, you know, they, they need to do that obviously, but um, it is, it is a blessing to be able to get up every morning and know that I have this purpose and that I'm able to help support and lift um, our employees and, 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 in the company overall and, and impact the community in, in a positive way. So that is just something that I just absolutely do not take for granted um, at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can just, you could just hear it in your, in your voice, Christy, that, you know, what the work that you're doing is something that you're truly passionate about. And you said that it chose you. It's like, it sounds like absolutely you're living into your purpose, which is a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful. So my next question is around the definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the reason I ask that question is because as simple as it may sound, you can ask 10 different people and they'll have 10 different definitions, mm -hmm. especially of, of diversity and even inclusion. And I, I firmly believe that it's important to really be clear on those definitions, especially as you're leading your organization, I'm sure you do that. And I just think it's really important. So can you define diversity, equity, and inclusion? Absolutely. And you're right. Um, it is such a good question. And it is also one where people just, you know, some like, okay, diversity and inclusion, like they kind of go together. Um, and certainly there's some interrelatedness, but they are very different, right? They, they are very different. And when done right, they come together beautifully. Um, and, and the other thing I want to I want to hit on when I when I speak to about this is the difference between um, like equity and equality too because a lot of people also think oh those are those are also you know kind of the kind of the same thing so if we kind of look at this and, and dissect it um, all three of these components so when we think about diversity of course it's you know differences the differences of that people like with race gender you know, sexual orientation, disability, you know, cultures, experiences, pers perspectives, like so, so diversity is really the differences between people. Um, the inclusion um, piece is, is really about the extent to which um, 
you're feeling this sense of belonging or you're feeling this sense of um, being valued, being supported, being heard. Um, and sometimes inclusion and belonging, um, you know, again, we've I mentioned a little bit about how these terms have changed over the years, right? Um, but that inclusion and belonging piece is really about the experience that you, you have um, and, and what you are feeling. The equity piece, uh, the equity piece um, is really, you know, this this fair treatment, um, you know, this this um, access to opportunity and information and resources for all. But it's built through this this um, almost like this identification and, and this elimination of unfair biases and and, and stereotypes and, and barriers that may exist within, you know, policies or practices or uh, you know procedures that. In many instances, unfortunately, um, exclude underrepresented people and in, in, in workforces and employees. So, so equity is this um, this recognition that advantages and barriers exist in our society. So, so inevitably, then, um, as a result of that, we don't all start on equal footing. We, we don't. Um, and so it's a process of really kind of acknowledging this unequal starting place and then making a commitment to um, correct and, and um, address that, that imbalance. So while both you know, equality and equity promote fairness, the, the word uh, you know, equality means like each individual or group or, or, or people is treated exactly the same. They're given you know, like the same resources the same opportunities, regardless of their need, they get the exact same thing. Equity, though, recognizes that each person has a different circumstance and they may need to be allocated different resources and different opportunities um, depending on their need and then providing them with what's necessary for them to then you know, show up their best selves and, you know, reach their, their full potential. So I think it's important to like, you know, again, I think that equity and quality people think like, yeah, it's the same thing, but it's really not. Um, and so when we're doing this right, um, especially within organizations and we're thinking about the equity piece, we are acknowledging that no, not everybody is starting out in the same place. And yeah. so we need to be aware of that. And then as we are developing programs and initiatives um, that we're taking that, that, that into consideration. Yeah, and that's a really good definition. I'm not sure that I've heard anyone describe it, the equity piece, exactly how you described it, which makes a, a lot of sense that everyone does start off sort of at a different place. So it's more around meeting people where they're where they are yeah. to try to give them equal opportunity, but meeting them where they are, they currently are. Exactly. You know, you know, we've heard a lot of, you know, a lot about saying that you can have diversity without inclusion, but you can't have inclusion without diversity. What do you think about that saying? Um, so if you want to be successful, you need to have both, right? Yes. I mean, you can, you can, uh, diversity is really about um, filling the seats, right? And so you, you have a gap there and you need to um, fill, fill these warm seats because we have, we need more African-Americans or Latinos, whatever that looks like. Um, and that's more of a, great, we kind of check the box there. We, we, we have that. Um, but when you're looking at 
developing and creating and having something that is sustainable, that um, inclusion piece must be part of the equation um, because it's not about people just coming in and leaving, right? You want them to come in and you want them to be part of your company and your family and you want them to have a positive experience and you want them to feel heard and valued and respected. And so that inclusion piece is so critical um, when you're looking at organizations and thinking about, you know, how can we do this right? Uh, it's not just let's bring them in. It's let's bring them in and then let's make sure that their experience is one um, that is positive, that we'll want them to allow them to stay and have, where there's mentorship opportunities and growth opportunities. And um, that that to me is is the key. So if you want to do this right, you you have to you have to have both. Yeah. And thinking about doing it right. My next question is you've had the opportunity to work with a number of companies and put together strategies around diversity, equity and inclusion. So walk us through how do you put together a very successful and sustainable diversity, equity and inclusion strategy? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting because very often uh, you want to come in and just problem solve, right? And so um, people very often will kind of jump to what do I need to do? What do I need to do? How can I fix this? And um, coming from, um, as I mentioned, being at a, a large company and now with um, DOMA, DOMA was an organization where there was literally no one has ever been in the company that had the word diversity in their title. Like this was completely a you know, blank slate and it was an opportunity to really build and shape and mold what diversity, equity and inclusion would look like and, and that strategy. And so what was important um, and is most important is to really understand what the current state is, right? You, you, you need to pause. Um, instead of like jumping right into, okay, let's do this, you know, and there will certainly be circumstances where there may be things that come up that you need to address. But when you when you're really trying to build a strategy, um, it's important to understand the current state, where are the gaps and, and very often that means that you need to like slow down to, to go to go fast, right? And, and, and it also means that you need to be quiet, sometimes and listen. Um, which is very, very difficult for some people to yes. do. Me. But, um, you know, it's, it's something that you use. It's a muscle that, you know, you, you have to you have to, to, to use to and, and flex because that listening and slowing down is when you're going to hear um, what's really happening right behind the behind the chatter. Um, and it's at that point that you're able to um, decipher like, OK, I see this. I hear this. But let me calm myself. Let me ask the right questions. Let me look at the data. Let me see what the current state is so that I can then um, develop and identify a, uh, a strategy that will work. And I, you know, and I will also say that there are certainly some, um, you know, I'd say core things that are um, uh, similar in, in many, you know, many organizations, you know, training, et cetera. But None of it is, 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 it's not cookie cutter, right? I mean, every organization is different and every organization needs different, different things. Um, for me, especially working at this, this um, organization who again had, had not, had not had anything prior, I also had to understand um, the culture 
of the company and I had to understand the industry. So DOMA uh, is a title, it's a title, it's title and escrow industry. And I'd never worked in the title and escrow industry at all. And so learning that culture was also important as I was trying to think about what this strategy was that I wanted to, to develop. Um, but I also knew that because historically the title and escrow industry um, is not uh, very diverse at all. Um, many women in it, but not at higher levels, but generally across the board, not diverse at all. Um, it meant that there was a, a foundation that I had to really um, create, which was around education and awareness, like starting there so that the employees understood, like, this is what diversity and inclusion is. This is what um, having conversations is about. This is what listening is about. And so I really began with these like monthly cultural conversations that were really opportunities for our employees to just increase their awareness and appreciation of different cultures and perspectives and kind of fostering this, you know, this inclusive, this inclusive workplace. And then there were other initiatives like, you know, monthly heritage month celebrations and employee spotlights. And obviously training was very important. Um, unconscious bias training was one of the things that um, I launched um, at at the at the start after again assessing what the organization needed, um, and then you know now we've done done many many things, but um, the biggest thing that's happening now is our employee resource groups are launching, and that has been. Um, it's interesting because I've not been in an organization that never had employee resource groups um, before <laughs> already. So even that piece around educating people on like, what is an E and R and a G? Like, what is this? You know, what are employee resource groups? But really trying to um, provide that platform for learning, um, for launching something new, making sure that um, that foundational that foundational piece is there and then giving uh, employees an opportunity to really roll up their sleeves and help to advance the work of diversity and inclusion. And I think that's the um, beauty and power of employee resource groups is that they allow you to, to, um, to do that in, an, in a really organic, in, in an organic manner. So, um, so th that's, that's what's happening now, which is really exciting. But then there's, you know, strategic partnerships, which are also very, very key. Um, and you had mentioned earlier, the piece around um, leadership and the importance of that. And, you know, when you're trying to build something that is sustainable, you have to have buy-in from the top. You, you must. Um, it, it, is, it will be a true uphill battle um, if you don't, yes. uh, because <laughs> uh, that's, that's where the, 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 the tone is set. Right. And so um, I feel you know, lucky enough that the, the organization, again, you don't necessarily know, especially when you're starting with a new organization, um, you know, everybody's on their best behaviors during interviews. Right. The interviewee and the company, everybody's. Oh, yes, we love it. We're all for diversity <laughs> and everything's wonderful and great. And it's a priority. You don't really know until you get there. Right. Um, and so um, it's been wonderful that. Uh, the organization I'm with really meant that they didn't know what it was, right? They didn't quite know what they didn't know, but the support from the CEO um, was completely apparent from day one. And um, that has made the difference. And it is um, without a doubt um, what is going to sustain this because um, he understands the importance of um, 
having a executive leadership team and a senior leadership team that mirrors society, right? The mirrors the customers and the communities that we serve like that. That's where the, the sustainable piece comes in and really having um, leadership at the top that that appreciates it, that values it. Um, and that models that behavior too. Yeah. So I know, so you said something that uh, a lot of things that really resonated. One that I've heard a few times and and I was listening to, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts with um, Brene Brown and she had talked about action bias, meaning that we just, when there's a problem, you just automatically go into fix it mode and mm-hmm. you don't take time to step back and think about what, one, what are you really solving for and then two, you know, what are the best steps to take? And I think a lot of that probably happened last year where mm-hmm. a lot of things happened and people just ran and started to like put things together and, and it probably worked, but for something to be sustainable, what I really hear you saying is it has to be a well thought out process. You have to really understand, you have to really know what you need to do. You have to start with understanding like the demographics of your company from the very beginning and setting goals. So, you know, for all the listeners that are really still trying to do this work, you just really laid out some really, really good pearls for everyone to think about. Even if you've already started down this road, just think about what else do you need to maybe even go back and rethink about how do you really create a sustainable strategy? So when you know, you working for a company where you definitely have the support of the leadership, which is really important. But mm-hmm. I can imagine that you probably have faced some challenges along the way. I know mm-hmm. that everyone in an organization is not necessarily on board with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Maybe they don't think it's necessary or they don't still don't understand it. Or, I mean, I know I've heard number a number of comments like that. So, what are some of the challenges that you have faced and how have you overcome them? Yeah, so there definitely have been, um, <laughs> there <laughs> definitely have been many. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting um, because, you know, we, you always hope that, um, you know, hope for the best and that people will be um, open to this and, and um, welcoming of it. But that, that doesn't, that doesn't always happen. I'm Jacqueline, it, it definitely doesn't. Um, one of the things that in, 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 in particular, it's been interesting uh, launching these employee resource groups with this, with this new company, um, because there's been this sense of uh, what about me? And I feel left out and, you know, I'm, I'm the white male um, but you're not talking about me or I'm the white female and, and, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm part of this. And um, those are delicate um, situations that you definitely want to um, um, navigate um, thoughtfully, right? Because the, the whole point of this work is certainly not to have anyone ever feel excluded, um, but you will, will always have naysayers. You will always have people saying, you know, why are you forcing this down our throat? And, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this at work, which I literally heard about two weeks ago. Um, why, why are we talking about diversity at work? It has nothing, it has nothing to do with it. And so um, there is, I think, just this, this, uh, this whole piece around allyship that I think is so important. And, you know, we lean on that, we leverage it, we use it, especially because we don't want people to feel excluded, right? When we start these initiatives around diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is, um, has been to support those that are underrepresented across the organization, that are underrepresented perhaps in, in, in leadership, 
but it certainly is not to exclude others. Um, but this, this, uh, you know, allyship is so, so powerful um, in that it provides this platform for those who um, may not be part of this particular identity group to still support, to still help, to still lift, um, and to use their um, privilege, to use their power, their their platform to support others. And so I think um, very often when that resistance is there, um, leaning on that piece around allyship and how do you define that and what does that mean and what does it look like on an everyday you know basis and you hear that word and it's another thing that you know we are using more and more often and and I think is uh, an amazing tool but we also want to ensure that we're defining it and we're p- giving people um, examples of what does it mean to be an ally, right? And, and what does it mean um, now we're, we're launched, I've just launched these um, LGBTQ plus ERG, our women's ERG, and um, had a, a white male that um, said, you know, what about me? I'm, I'm straight. And, you know, I, what, what, what about me? Right. And it was a, it was a, a sincere question that he posed, right? I mean, he just really felt like, what what about me? And so we just had a, a just a wonderful conversation about what does it mean to be an ally? And um, what privilege do you have as a white male? And how can you use your voice to lift others? And we were ta- giving examples about, you know, for instance, um, I was giving, I share my personal example about being in a meeting, and this is at a previous company, and um, giving a presentation um, that I had worked on for I don't know how long. And after it was done, it was as if I wasn't even there. Like the questions weren't even being directed towards me. It, it was just a it was just a, a, a surreal moment. And I thought, like, what is happening? <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> right. Um, but there was um, a colleague who was in the room that was part of, of my team. And he literally. Uh, it's a white man, redirected the group to say, Christy, thank you so much for that presentation. Can you answer a few questions? And um, there was another person that had been asked uh, the question, which should have been directed toward me. And he said, actually, I think Christy can actually probably answer that better. So he used his platform and his privilege and his voice to empower me and to give that back to me. And I will never forget that. Um, that was a, um, it was a, it was a moment in, in my life. And I, and I shared that with, um, with the, with the, the colleague that, that I was speaking with a, a few weeks back and he was like, Oh, okay. Like it literally didn't occur to him how he could contribute. He didn't, he didn't understand like, what does it mean to be an ally and to give voice um, to those who don't have it. And so it was almost like giving him that specific example. It almost, you know, how you see like the light bulb go off. That's right. what it was for him. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Um, but he was like, oh, okay. Well, that happens all the time. He starts giving me all these other examples. He's like, well, I can do this and I can do this. And I was like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. So I think um, it's really meeting people where they are and and helping them to kind of, you know, kind of connect the dot. That's a a great example, Christy. I mean, that's a wonderful example. I think anyone in any company where there's a discussion around diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
a lot of the comments that you just shared has come up and come up multiple times. And the way that you handled that was absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I just think it, it is so great that the person was so receptive mm-hmm. to becoming an ally and listening and seeing how they can use their voice to help others. So I think that's just a wonderful, a wonderful example. So thank you for, for sharing that. It's, 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 very, very challenging work, but so incredibly important. And the other thing I'll say is that, like you talked about with diversity, equity, and inclusion, when you're looking, you know, you're trying to help those that have, that have been historically underrepresented. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're excluding everyone else because it's not as though we're taking seats away. We're That's just trying right. to add seats to That's the table. That's right. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It yeah. is. It is. And it's almost, it reminds me, Jacqueline, of the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I mean, it's the same, you know, it's 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 very similar, right? But you're right. It's not, we're not excluding, we're not taking away. We are trying to just add more chairs to this uh this this beautiful, bountiful table so that so that everyone can have a seat. That is yeah. it. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we're going to shift gears for a minute here, Christine. I'm going to ask you a few fun questions, and I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Yes, I think. <laughs> and they're not hard. <laughs> I think you've already answered the hardest questions, so we're good. <laughs> okay, first one. What food could you never give up? Ooh, um, food. Anything spicy. I have an issue with, I love everything spicy. I have um, hot sauce and crushed red peppers when I was, at, I'm working from home now, but when I was in an office in my desk drawer, crushed red peppers and hot sauce on everything. So I have to have <laughs> everything spicy. I know I got, I really do have issues. Everything has to be spicy. So crushed red peppers and hot sauce, you gotta have it. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Next one. What song do you love to sing when no one is listening? Oh my goodness. Ooh, we, um, Ooh, I'm about to show my age. Okay. So I really like the sugar Hill gang. Right? Okay. That's, <laughs> you know, look, that's going way back. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's going rappers delight. That's going like way, 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 way back. Um, and there's another song called Don't Disturb This Groove. And it was by, I think it was like the system, I think. And it was like a probably a one hit wonder. But it's just a song that just sticks in my head. And I um, I love it to death. And I have one other one. What's the, um, um, oh, the Winans, Ain't No Need to Worry. Oh, you know that okay. One? I, oh, that I love that yeah. one. I love that one. So I have a few that are just. Yeah, I cannot sing, so I do it in the shower, and hopefully, you know, no one hears it. But yeah, those are some of my favorites. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and and one more here. What fashion trend would you love to bring back? Oh, we clogs, and I think they're kind of coming back. Right? And here's the other one: gauchos. You remember gauchos? Oh, yes. right? <laughs> Oh, I'm so old. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, you know, stuff always comes back around, but they call them gauchos now, but I used to have the cutest little blue jean gauchos and these clogs, big old hard heel things that uh, had this hole in the heel. The so, but they were the cutest. You can tell me I wasn't cute wearing my little gauchos and my clogs. So yeah, that's yeah. why I was come right back. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. 
All righty. Well, we're, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions before we finish up and then we'll be wrapping up. So, so what other um, diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders have inspired you over your, your career and your life? Um, so interestingly, um, my mother is um, over multicultural education at the, in the Indianapolis Public School District. And she's been, she was a teacher for, I don't know, like 50 years. Well, she was, she's been in IP, Indianapolis Public Schools for many more years than that. But she um, now, and I would say probably for the last 25 years or so, has been over multicultural um, education. And so she inspires me. And it's very interesting that I would end up kind of in, uh, you know, the same line of work um, as her. But she is a um, truth finder and she is a supporter of um, children um, who don't have voice. And um, we always are sharing resources and videos and podcasts and articles and information. And um, it's wonderful to have my mother, who is also my best friend, who is also a colleague um, who I can share information with. So I would I would say that Pat Payne is her name and she is um, she's my that's my shero. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome. Make sure you tell her that if you haven't today. <laughs> I will definitely do that. I will definitely do that. Um, what keeps you motivated on your DE&I journey? What keeps you motivated? Um, yeah, so, but just having someone say thank you, I never thought of that. Or I didn't even know that. The conversation I shared with you about the, the gentleman that I had, um, you know, the, the conversation with him about allyship, that carried me on for months. I was like, okay, this oh, that's is great. awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you're doing great work, Christy. Definitely. So my final question is, what is your favorite quote and why? Ooh, okay. So um, definitely and totally um, be the change you want to see in others. And that, you know, is Gandhi. I, um, I had that up on my wall um, in several forms of fashion over the years, but this the notion um, to kind of be the change that you want to see has there's there's many concepts to this, but I think part of it is um, it helps us to not judge others um, and to recognize that um, we have a responsibility ourselves um, to make change. And um, it also and I keep kind of going back to this piece around pausing. Um, I think that's so important um, that we are being introspective. And that quote to me reminds me of the importance of being introspective, of being reflective, of slowing down and and doing something that is impactful, that will hopefully touch just one person. If it's just one person, I'm happy, but that it touches um, someone and somehow changes um, and, and impacts them in a positive way. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, that's one of my favorite quotes as well. It's a, it's a wonderful quote. And I just want to end, Christy, by saying thanks, thank you so much for the work that you do. I know it can be very, very challenging. You have such a positive attitude about it. You can clearly see that you're Aww. living into your purpose. <laughs> and I know that you're clearly making a difference. And so to all my listeners out there, I hope you really enjoy this and take a lot away. And Christy, thank you for everything that you do. Yes. Stay on this journey to make an incredible difference because it is your purpose. So thank thanks you for your time, so Christy. Much. Thanks, Jacqueline. This has been wonderful wonderful thank you okay